The galaxy is burning. Brother fights brother. And treason splits the Imperium of Man. This is the Age of Darkness. Whether you're a warrior of the Legiones Astartes, an adept of the Mechanicum, or just a mere mortal in a universe of madness, you'll find a place here. Welcome to the Remembrancer's Retreat, coming to you from within the depths of the Vengeful Spirit. Welcome to another episode of the Remembrancers Retreat, a Warhammer 30k podcast. My name is Jesse. I'm here with Dave. Hey, guys. And uh, we have a special guest today, uh, Sarah Kaiser. Hey, folks. Nice to, nice to get to talk to you. Yeah. Thanks for coming on to the program. Of course. Um, so first and foremost, what have you been up to, Dave? Working a lot more than I want to. <laughs> Not rolling enough dice. It's too much adulting. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. <laughs> That's pretty rough, man. It is. It is. I don't know. I'm gonna have to figure out how to like program some time into my schedule for like that's. But I mean, that's what Nova and Adepticon is for me, right? I'm just it's it's blocked off time that I can go hang out with people and roll dice. That's your managed time, just as yeah, yeah. I think so. I hear you. Mm-hmm. But uh, Dave, it's nice to have you on the program too. Usually, you're on the. Uh, Heresy grad school segment. So, uh, welcome to the main cast. No, this is cool, Jesse. Like this is this is feels like um, varsity, man. This is like I think we're in <laughs> Studio A, right? This is Studio A. It's slowly getting there. Yeah. Like I said, I'm gonna probably see how much uh, soundproofing I can put on these walls before Caro tells me to stop. So <laughs> we'll see how far. You know, I keep telling myself, you know, I'm done. Yeah, this is it. This is a setup I'm happy with. But then there's always something else. Just do it while she's gone. You'll be left with about a cubic meter of space to shuffle through to get oh, to the desk. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. <laughs> it's like, I can get this table in here. It's our game table. Maybe I could put the computer in the corner. No, that's not going to work. Then you got the display cabinets, and then I, we'll see where it goes. <laughs> but I hear the echo off the microphone, and I know it's going to drive me crazy when I edit this. But anyway, uh, yeah. Uh, Sarah Kaiser, if you guys haven't known before, she does... Uh, a lot of the illustrations on the Warhammer community website. Uh, she's the illustrator of Eagle Ordinary, which is how I first uh, introduced myself to her artwork. And, uh, yeah, just a general commander of creativity. Oh, thank you. That's very <laughs> kind. It's <laughs> um, a pretty cool intro. Yeah, I, 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 can't, I can't hate on that too much. That sounds pretty good. <laughs> so I guess we can ask you too, sir. Uh, what have you been up to? Oh, um, well, today I was doing quite a bit of Minecraft with some coworkers. <laughs> um, but besides that, I've been trying to do Inktober mm-hmm. every day, uh, which for those of you who don't know, there's this event that happens in October where uh, artists of every caliber and writers, if you write with ink, are encouraged to uh, pick up the theme for this year. And then every day you have a one-word prompt, and then you just draw something for that prompt every day. Mm-hmm. And so I've been trying to spec out like less than an hour of time to do that every day. And it's, it's good. It's a good, <laughs> it's good exercise. Yeah. So. I've heard of that for writers, especially that it, it, it's, um, yeah, it's sort of like a, a good challenge, right? Like a forcing function to get you maybe out of your comfort zone, maybe give you some inspiration. Um, I used to 
follow some people that would do like short stories and uh, man, their Inktober, some of the Inktober stuff was just wild, right? Because it was, it just, you had to bang it out, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Really cool. And I'm working on it with one of the writers at work, uh, Rory, who writes for the Regimental Standard. And my problem for with uh, Inktober is I never have any good ideas. Like I'll see the prompt and I'll be like, uh, build, um, I don't know, a space marine with a shovel. Like I can't lame, I, no idea. And so, you know, I knocked on his door. I was like, Rory, you have ideas, give them to me and I'll draw them. And so we're just like mapping ideas for every day. And he does all the hard work and then I get to sit down and drink coffee and draw it out. And it's a good time. That's so cool. You got to have those people, the people that just help, you know, the collaboration. Man, they're so valuable. Yeah, absolutely. If, if, you, uh, if anyone out there wants to do Inktober and has good ideas but maybe can't necessarily draw, find a, find a drawy friend. See if they want to work with you. That's good have idea. a good time. Yeah. yeah. I know when I, I met you at Nova, like you were working on uh, illustrations and whatnot on your iPad. Mm-hmm. I was like, that's what you draw on, on your iPad? Because I had an iPad, and I was like, I have no idea how to use it. He's like, yeah, an iPad, Apple Pencil. It's like, oh, try to run off the Apple Pencil. This is amazing. So oh, yeah. He, the next day, I bought myself an Apple Pencil. It's like, it's still very, the screen's very slick. I don't mm-hmm. feel like it. And, you know, I found a, a paper-like. Yep. Uh, screen protector? Purse, yes. And I was like, oh, this is a whole lot better now. So I got excited. It's like, I'm going to try to start drawing myself again, so. Oh, heck yeah. That's yeah. great to hear. I'm excited. Uh, it, it's funny that you say that. I, so I've got this kind of Christmas uh, plan coming up where I'm going to be going around with some friends and seeing gear up, doing that thing I never did in my 20s. <laughs> and both of them want to learn to draw. And mm-hmm. so I figure, okay, well, what great, you know, better opportunity uh, than being stuck on a bunch of trains in Europe. I'm going to make them each a kit. And the mm-hmm. kit's going to have like a thick but shitty pad of paper, which is, sorry. Uh, You're fine. A <laughs> um, uh, thick, thick pad of paper <laughs> for each of us. And, like, uh, just cheap pencils, cheap markers. And the idea is that it doesn't really matter what you're drawing on or what you're drawing with. Um, the idea is that you have work with whatever's quickest. Mm-hmm. Right? Whatever enables you to create the fastest is what's going to be helpful for you, at least whenever you're starting off. And so... You know, we'll have those and I'll just, you know, kind of the idea is to show them the basics and then like see where they want to go and help them get there as best I can. But like with the iPad, the same as a pad of paper, if the iPad works for you and you like working on it, if it fits your lifestyle, then, you know, build that tool and work on that tool. But if it's if you want to learn how to draw and all you've got is some paper, that's a great place to start, too. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. Well, that's a perfect segue, Sarah. I think. um we definitely want to talk to you more about your art and we want our listeners to sort of be able to follow along at home. So I don't know how, how best to do this. I know a lot of your art is on Im, Imgur. Is that how you say it? There's, yeah, know. it's kind of, kind of on everywhere. If you Google um, Kaiser Makes or Peach Punk, I'm sure you'll find a bunch of it. I did the work for Vainglorious too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you look that up, you'll yeah. find it. On the Warhammer community site. Yeah. So it's it's kind of all over. Uh, yeah, Imgur, uh, Reddit, uh, Tumblr. I have Kaiser Makes on Tumblr. Cool. So as we go down the um, the rabbit hole on some of these projects that you've been working on, just let's let's give our listeners a chance to maybe pull it up at home since they're going to be listening to it at their leisure. Yeah, just and we'll post a bunch of links in our 
I guess, whatever page when this thing comes out. This is your time. Oh, well, I mean, you don't have okay. to, like, do it yeah. all right now. I, mean, I guess I could just pause <laughs> A thousand browsers of Sarah just popped up at once. That's awesome. Dear Lord. <laughs> Terrifying. So, how'd you get into Warhammer? Oh, man. <laughs> uh, you know, I was I was I thinking that. don't know how to segue. <laughs> uh, on, on when? Um, I think I, I, I took a gothic art history course mm. when I was really young, um, when I was, like, just starting college, because I loved gothic art history and I was a big geek and I was sitting down waiting for the class to start one day and one of my friends sits down with a towel battle suit and I look over and I loved Gundam kits at Mm -hmm. the time and I was all about whatever it was that he had just brought and he's like you you you're curious about what this is you're taking gothic art history and you don't know what Warhammer is let me (laughs) let me fix this for you. And like, he immediately pulled up the naval battleships mm-hmm. and I was sold in that instant. And, uh, but I just didn't know how to get into it because it was so monolithic. You know, there's so much lore. I mean, you guys have a whole podcast around talking about just a sliver of that lore. And it's, you know, anyone who's listening to this, I'm sure they understand the challenge. And so uh, he ended up managing to get me hooked with the RPGs with dark heresy, sat me down with the first book rolled up a character, and that was the the hook that I had to understand the world. I just explored it from her perspective and started playing RPGs, and everything else has been kind of built off of that. That kind of makes sense. You know, knowing you a little bit, I think. Right? The way, the way you explore Warhammer and the way you explore, like, the narrative. Um, you need a yeah, guide. Yeah, you, you know, <laughs> but, no, but also the way Sarah just gets into it, you know, with her Kel teams and the boards, the displays, the art, everything. I mean, it does have this underlying RPG narrative, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's just yeah. so deep, which is very cool. Um, what a great way to get into it, man. Oh, well, thank you, too. That's really kind of you to say. Um, it's Yeah, and it's, it's a great way to get into it. I'd say if, like, there's someone in your life who you dearly want to get into RPGs, um, and I would even gander to say, especially uh, girls who are really into RPGs, but just don't know where to start with Warhammer. There's really something to be said for being able to have a toehold in terms of perspective. And if that's an acolyte or, you know, an Eldar or a space Marine, it doesn't really matter. So long as like, uh, you've got somewhere to start. Mm -hmm. Do you remember your first character? I do. Her name's Kepler. She is an acolyte, void born, uh, psyker. Um, she's a terrible psychopath, but, (laughs) Uh, just a megalomaniac and then some, and I really enjoyed playing her. Very cool. Yeah. So uh, from the RPGs, when did you start getting into the uh, the wargaming part aspect of it? Ooh, that was easy. I, I went down into my friend's basement. You know, that's how it always starts. <laughs> and he had a bunch of orcs, and uh, he started telling me about the third edition rules for them and, like, all the crazy stuff that you could do. And I was like, what? What is this game? This is fantastic. I need this. Tell me how to get started. And, you know, from there I went and bought a bunch of Valhallans because I, I just, I was reading Caiaphas Kane and um, I love me a good Bolshevik. And so I went out and just got a whole bunch of them, built a conscript army, realized that the secret to making a conscript army work was to strategically kill off all of your guys. Was very sad about that and started building Tank Guard instead. And <laughs> These days, I play more Space Marines and Thousand Suns and stuff. So I got you. Would you say that Thousand Suns is one of your favorite uh, legions or chapters? Or? 
Sure are. The 30, the 30 K version, mm-hmm. the good boys. Yeah. Yeah. You know, which is funny too, because I like, I feel like there really aren't 40 K thousand sons, right? They're, they're like, they're all from the heresy. They're either trapped mm-hmm. in a suit of dust or they're like 10,000 years old. Right. Yeah. I, like, I don't think they've been doing a lot of recruiting. I don't know, Sarah, what do no. you think? Probably not. I think the closest thing to uh, Thousand Sons these days are probably going to be like Kaon um, or Araman, you know, like two of those uh, muscle bro jerks wandering around, still embodying a lot of those classic traits of Thousand Sons who aren't just like mindless automatons or like grasping desperate sorcerers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're super powerful sorcerers. Yeah. Yeah. They've had like jerks. Yeah. Jerks yeah. Super. Here. Yeah. Egomaniacs. Yeah. For listeners, if you haven't seen Sarah's 30 or 30K kill team, kill team with Thousand Sons, it's really impressive. The whole oh, display case with the book and the models inside, it's really, really cool. Yeah. You guys could, you need to go see it now and you can check it out on uh, Imgur under yeah. Peach Punk. Osiris and the Lost is the name of the project. Um, and I made that book out of spite. I'd missed the uh, the boat on getting that really sweet carrying case for Kill Team, like the orange one. Mm-hmm. And I wanted one really bad. And so I was thinking to myself, like, fine, I'll make my own with blackjack and hookers. <laughs> make my own case. And that's what I did. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you didn't get that case the first time. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're really glad that sold out so fast. Um, ah, <laughs> uh, thanks guys. <laughs> but it's cool, Sarah. So, so actually on kill team, right. We're sort of jumping around a little bit, but, um, but on kill team, I wanted to ask you this because you've done a couple of kill teams that have just a lot of background lore. Um, you know, your death watch and your thousand sons. And mm-hmm. I wanted to like, do the games you play with them inform the narrative? Because I know you have comics that go along with them, and I know you put a lot of time into sort of the character development creation. So is that does that then just become a like a project that takes shape, takes form, and then you play them against different kill teams? Or mm-hmm. do those games actually end up informing some of the story arc behind them? Uh, absolutely both. Um, especially whenever I'm playing with some of the friends I'll write or game with regularly. You know, we'll we'll bring out some Xenos for them to go against and, like, kind of decide how that battle is going to end up. Um, you know, we'll try and... Uh, right now, my uh, my friend Rory is, like, putting together the kind of demonic version of this kill team mm. that should be really sweet. And so it'd be really awesome to have, like, a, a fight against uh, the half of this team that's, like, still uh, a Stardust, still loyalist, and then another... Uh, you know, the other half is this other kill team that's like terribly mutated and like suffering and see how that ends up and then maybe use that to help inform the comic we're drawing about it. Ooh, and that's badass. That's like the sweet spot for me. Yeah. Um, I really love that so much of the lore used to be influenced by these like really pivotal battles um, that would happen. And every time there's like something else that's coming along like that, I get really excited about it. <laughs> Yeah, because um, the, clock, the clock doesn't oh. advance that much, right? Like when you're talking about 40K, mm-hmm. right? We're still sort of like at 11, 53, and 30 seconds. Maybe. Sure. I don't know. I don't know where we are, Sarah. But like it just seems like, <laughs> you know, it's, it's not going that far, right? 
So Andy Clark did a talk recently about this that I thought was a really good way of explaining it, which is that, yeah, we're we're like uh, seconds to midnight, right? But there is place, there is still room to grow within that context. And the way to grow is to grow out. So, you know, all of this is happening, like the clock's ticking down, we're perpetually stuck in this like kind of twilight um, to doomsday. But we haven't talked about all the stuff that's going on over here. Like, how's this battle turning out? You know, how is the whole sector of the Imperium faring in this like never ending war? And like, there's a whole new story to tell over there. And that's true for the lore. It's true for everyone's individual, um, you know, piece that they contribute to it. That's something that everyone can explore. And I I think that's one of the best parts of the setting. That's a really good point. Yeah, because it's not all doomsday everywhere. And it's not all doomsday in the same way everywhere. You can definitely, the the galaxy is a big place. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's definitely several shades of dread going on here. (laughs) So I know we asked them how you got into Warhammer. Um, a slightly bigger question would be, hmm. uh, how did, what inspired you to become an artist? Um, this one's actually a little harder to answer. Uh, I just kind of always have been drawing, like, ever since I was really little. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, you know, it's definitely, um, when it started, it was kind of a coping mechanism. I didn't grow up in the best place. And so, like, any time that I wanted to focus or, um, you know, I wanted to distract myself, I would draw. And then whenever I was in class, I would always doodle to concentrate. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize it then, but if I was drawing, I could focus. And so if, you know, the teacher was talking about something, I'd just be like drawing some stupid anime face in the margin of my sheet. And like, I have distinct memories of my third grade science teacher, like tearing that up and being like, you, you know, drawing will never get you anywhere. Listen to science. <laughs> um, I just channeled some Rick Sanchez by accident. He was not Rick Sanchez, but he... Uh, was probably a little off because that actually did end up at least getting me somewhere. <laughs> um, and so, like, now it's, it's uh, uh, you know, it's still something that makes me really happy. Like, I look forward to doing it at the end of the day. Sometimes I'll, I have to do it for work. But even if I didn't, um, even if nobody was looking, I would still be doing it because it's just, it's, um, I don't know, it's, it's a really bright part of my life and being able to share Ideas um, and characters is feels it makes me feel really lucky that I've gotten to a point where I can kind of get that idea out in a way that I imagine it in my head, and it took a while to get there. Yeah, that's really cool. Like being able to do what you enjoy—that's what we're all here for, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, at the same time, I I also didn't go to school for it. I went to school okay. for design, oh, okay. so I kind of always knew that. I was. I wanted something that was uh, going to be really stable, mm-hmm. um, since I was going to school during the recession, and so I was like, okay, well, I I know how to um, you know do a little programming, and I know how to draw a little bit. So, what's this new media design thing? And Rochester uh, makes it shows you how to make software. Okay, well, people probably need software for a long time. I guess I'll do that. Um, and so, ten years later, <laughs> I'm doing that, and I'm glad I did. I really like it. I like doing user experience design. That's my full-time gig. But drawing has always kind of been there, and I imagine it will always will. Sir, can you tell people who might not know, because I think most people probably don't know, like what, what is user experience design? Sure. So uh, user experience design, the easiest way to explain it is it makes the stuff work good. Whenever people say UI design, that makes the stuff look good. But 
if it doesn't work good, then you're really just going to have an awful time with it, no matter how nice it looks. And so um, this would be a point where I start name dropping good examples, but I don't want to like call out random software <laughs> on this channel. So, it's safe here. Uh, it's safe here. <laughs> I, th I think we've all experienced bad UX. Um, it happens yeah. every time you like round a corner in like a, a GameCube game and suddenly the camera is blocked by an inexpl inexplicable angle. That's bad user experience. You just rounded that room and you have no idea what you're doing. Yeah, you're, totally. you're, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's maybe the easiest way to explain. Yeah, I follow it. it. Yeah. You're you're but, helping uh, you're helping them like it's it's really this intersection between like machine learning, right? We're not quite there yet, but like you know, human interface and then machine learning. And then I think as we go down this this road, this right, so technology matures and we become you know, ever more increasingly uh, interconnected. There have to be people who inform the technology so that it makes sense to us, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, so, Sarah, you mentioned how much you enjoy illustrating stuff. Is there anything you, like, really, really enjoy, particularly when you uh, draw? Uh, goodness. Generally, uh, it's entirely contextual. So it's whatever I'm into at that moment. If it's a book I'm reading or a game I've been playing, I usually just think about things that have happened recently and I draw that. Um, I'm actually having a really hard time getting through all of Armin right now because I'll read it and I get really, really excited <laughs> and I can't focus and so I'll just start drawing things. And, and cycle the back. John French omnibus Armin. It, it is. It's, oh, uh, it's so good. <laughs> it is also an endeavor. Yeah. It's a it's the best kind of endeavor though. It definitely is. It's it's like pushing a boulder uphill. If that boulder were a gumball, you could look <laughs> it the whole way up the hill. <laughs> <laughs> yes, love it, love it. No, it's it's so good because so much of Warhammer really is only I think accessible through art. I think a lot of times it's informed by art. Well, of course it is, right? John Blanche, Ian Watson. Um, I don't think you could have Warhammer without those artists, right? It just sort of defines the genre. Yeah, that's what grabs yeah. you when you go into a game yeah. store and you see the Codex artwork. Yeah. It's like, whoa. Yeah. Yeah, so it's definitely part of, it's so important to be part of the hobby. Um, I wish I was good at it. It really is cool. I mean, to just be able to develop the sort of the character the, and, and then the, the, the setting for it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, very cool. It's well, it's a skill like anything else. It's like Jesse, you just taught yourself how to do AV stuff because you wanted to, right? Mm -hmm. It's the exact same thing. I've seen adults who are like in their late thirties, early forties, pick up drawing, and since they know how to teach themselves things, and they're not being distracted by school or like whatever their favorite, you know, cartoon is at the moment, they can just dive in feet first and you know make a plan for how they're going to improve, do all the right steps, and you know, they'll get up to a stage where they're drawing the things that they want to draw in a matter of months. It doesn't take years because you're not messing around, you know? That's true. That's, a, that's pretty inspiring because in my head, even though I'm where I'm at right now, it's like, man, to get to a level of drawing that I enjoy, it's going to take years or something. Well, I guess technically not because I guess with the brain more or less developed, you know, I know how to learn Yeah. rather than just trying to flounder around mindlessly it drawing lines and, and it may still take years i'm sure. not to a place where i want to necessarily be i don't think anyone ever is who mm -hmm. does this a lot 
but you can get to a point where you can at least render something fairly quickly, I mm -hmm. think. And, you know, because the path that I took was like this weird snake trail where I'm like, I'm eight years old and I'm super into Helsing and I'm 10 years old <laughs> and I'm super into Berserk and, you know, just zigzagging between these things. And then eventually I find myself in design school drawing dumb anime stuff and it's like okay now how do i draw like a human like how do i yeah. how do i get to more western art styles how do i like work this out of my my repertoire and if you're coming at it from a very strategic place as an adult you can t pick your resources and just be like i want to draw like this i want to do life drawing i want to do it right and you'll get there a lot quicker that's, that's really cool, Sarah, because you definitely have, I think, a distinctive art style, but then you're also able to play around with different art styles, right? So, like, for your Death Watch Kill Team, you do these tarot cards, right? And you have one tarot card that I think is sort of, it's, um, what is this style? It's definitely comic, right? It's a comic book mm -hmm. style. It's the same thing you do with your Vainglorious. Mm -hmm. And then you have this other style, which I think is just, I don't know, it's really, it's deep, right? It's powerful. It's got shades of gray. Oh, um, thank you. Why do you think, like, tell us why you did both styles for, for your kill team? Um, so I was really heavily influenced by the Inquisition, uh, Dragon Age Inquisition cards for those tarot cards. I, I really love the way those are rendered. They um, are inspiring to me. And I wanted to try my darkest, excuse me, to make something that was really beautiful that I could hand to my opponent when we were playing this game as a... Sorry, I know this isn't a traditional kill team army, so bear let with me. Uh, bear with me. Distract me. Uh, let me allow me to distract you from the chicanery I'm attempting at this moment, and uh, hand you these cards uh, that are like very highly rendered, that are kind of traditional. And then for the comic and like for all the things that are a little silly, oftentimes those are drawn that way out of um, necessity, because if I want to be able to keep that up week to week. Yeah. I need to go with something that is a little bit more natural to me. Uh, even if I'm trying to develop a new style as I'm going down that route, this uh, Dreadwatch comic that I've been working on is essentially a really good excuse for me to practice drawing more serious topics and drawing uh, Space Marines more often and actually drawing them like large and intimidating and scary. And right now, they're not that much because we're kind of just starting. It's winding up, but it's going to go into a place that's very spoopy. So my hope is that I can um, try and reach into a direction that I've always wanted to explore and do more horror. I'm excited. Uh, yeah, me too. I'm really excited also. Because Space Marines are scary, right? Like you listen to any of the, the sort of the authors like Aaron Dembski-Bowden um, or, you know, Graham McNeil, John French, and they talk about just like post-human dread and just how really... Like, they're human, but they're not human, right? So if you're a mortal in the room with a space marine, it's uh, it's just, you know, it's this almost um, visceral experience of, well, you're kind of like me, but also you're a freak of nature. Yeah. Yeah, it, yeah absolutely. It should be this moment of dread, like you're turning around and seeing a shark there with its, like, beady, <laughs> inset eyes. Like, this thing is a predator. It's not like you. It was designed to kill things like you. It's... Uh, and, like, I, I have a hard time drawing them the way that they should be. But whenever I think of a space marine and I think about how they, I would like to render them, I think of, like, you know, this almost animal sort of 
provoking fear where like they have a human shaped face, but their eyes are all wrong. Like you look into their eyes and there's just like nothing there mm-hmm. except like sharp intelligence. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I love that. Just get chills every time I, I read a, an essay about, you know, sort of what lurks behind the space Marines intellect, you know, that they're just designed to win, right. They have the capacity for certain emotions. I think they're stunted, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, they can't really feel fear, but they sort of know what, ambition is and empathy is i think to a certain degree but um all of that yeah they're like lobotomized brainwashed children essentially at the end of the day and i think they can feel fear they just haven't had it described to them so like when they feel it they're they always describe the motion of going through fear right like the the elevated heart rate the sweating the you know prickling at the back of their neck they'll Mm -hmm. feel that but then they just funnel that right into the, I guess it's time to be angrier now. Um, <laughs> so many scenes in the war in the Horace Heresy novels where a space Marine go, you know, space Marines don't feel fear, but <laughs> I really, I'm feeling something here. I really like that description though. I really like the yeah. way Sarah just described that. Right. So it's yeah. not like they can't feel fear. It's just that like when they start to, when their emotion, you know, when their emotional response system starts to kick in, they just channel it into aggression. Mm-hmm. And they just yeah. go forward. They just and go, nope, nope. Yeah, that's yep. that's fucking awesome. It's like the, I think that's part of that hypno training is yeah. it's just conditioning that response to evoke something different. That's my impression, anyways. I dig it. Are there any uh, specific artists that you enjoy? Ooh, uh, lots. Uh, like on the daily, I'll see something cool, go through mm-hmm. my feed, and I'll save it, and I'll stash it, and I've got <laughs> folders of inspiration but um probably way too much anime that i've tried to move past <laughs> uh there's a lot of web comic artists who i'm like inspired on by on a day-to-day basis like uh abaddon uh who draws the kill six billion demons comic and um uh Dershing, who did the meek among other things um a lot of artists who i had the a good fortune to draw with when I was younger um, th- through like these applications called like paint chat and things, which were basically mm. like a, a Java applet where you could draw side by side with people around the world in real time. And so imagine like a bunch of 12 to like young 20 year olds all drawing things right next to each other almost all day, every day in the weekends, evenings. And it would just be, you know, like stories and paintings and stuff and, you would just meet people in there, just like regular people, but from Russia or from, you know, um, uh, England and draw, start drawing with them every day. And you start to pick up some of their style. They pick up some of yours. And um, and it was just a really great experience. So I think I, I carry a lot of those folks that I met there whenever I was like in my early 20s and teens um, with me whenever I think about drawing today. That's so cool. Yeah, I've yeah. never heard of that before. Is that still going, Sarah? <laughs> you know, there must be forms of it. There's yeah. still all kinds of, like, community ways to interact with other artists. You know, if it's not the Inktober's thing, then um, I think there's a, oh, I can't remember the URL, but any sort of communal drawing app. Um, and for some reason, nothing ever really came in to fill the void of Paint Chat. Mm. I mean, do you want a really weird, short, very niche art his like a uh, artist history lesson on the internet. Yeah, I'm okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm game. Sure. <laughs> okay. Uh, so I guess this is this is a remembrance or a tale. Um, 
So uh, long, long time ago, I guess not that long, 15 years, 20. Wow. 20. So uh, there were these, I know. (laughs) I'm turning 30 this year. Stop. Back when Java was kind of a new thing, um, there was this platform called Oikaki BBS and it was fresh out of Japan, kind of Korea area. And it was this thing that you could log on to and it would make a drawing applet that you could draw on with your mouse. And all these kids, like hundreds, thousands of kids, would draw all kinds of stuff on there. They would draw um, characters, they'd draw storylines, they'd draw whatever, they'd make a mess, you know, whatever it was. And then you would be able to hit a button, you would publish that drawing that you had made. And usually you only had a few minutes or an hour to do it because your internet connection back then was on a phone line. Mm-hmm. And that would get published and then people could comment on it. And that was great. But as time went on, this uh, system got iterated on. Eventually you started to be able to use more than 12 colors. Suddenly you had color mixers. Suddenly you had these things called layers. So you could do a sketch and then you could do line art on a different layer and then you could color that in. Like you got all these these comfort of life drawing tools that you weren't used to having online. And suddenly you could draw and reply to these pictures. So these whole communities would spring up around, we're going to have this uh, beach. And it's a beach. You can make a character on it and you can name them. And then you'll just draw a scene and then post it. And then people will just draw other characters and reply. And you'll have a good time at the beach. And it's just like a (laughs) ridiculous sort of thing to get grouped around. But people would spend so many hours, like, fine-tuning these pixel illustrations and then posting them back and forth to each other. and Kind of like a dick measuring contest, (laughs) low-key. But as time went on, this got even better. And eventually we had this paint chat BBS, which you could just all be on at the same time you could watch lines be made in real time and you could paint and everything and this was like a really big thing for about you know eight ten years and then it just kind of vanished overnight because you know web um, platforms moved on uh the support kind of got discontinued and as far as i know nothing's really come in to fill the void if there's any developers out there who really like working within Chrome and web environments and they want to design a drawing applet, just hit me up. <laughs> I would love to re- recreate that experience. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that, I mean, Sarah, what you just described, I mean, as I was listening to you, I mean, that is UX, right? I mean, as you're talking about this system be iterated on, you know, and, mm-hmm. and they go back through and they add software and they, you know, they, they test and they fix and they test and they fix. I mean, I mean, that's, that's it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's awesome. Small world too, I think, as we as we are all part of a small world, right, through Warhammer community. Um man, I just yeah. it's amazing. It is. Um it is a small world. You know that Skullgirls game that came out? It's a fighting game. Skullgirls. A few years a few years back. It's become kind of big in the fighting game sphere. I haven't played a fighting game in forever, but yeah. I've the name sounds so familiar, but I'm sorry, it's, not. <laughs> no, it's okay. Uh, a bunch of those illustrators that I mentioned that um, Paint Check kind of brought together ended mm-hmm. up working on that game together. That's it's, cool. It, it's kind of, they've gone off into life and done all kinds of things, but it's a small world. You know, those are the connections that you make that kind of bring you together and help launch all these great things. And it's funny how it happens. I'm, I'm sure you guys have experienced it in both your podcasts and like all the hobby events that we do, like these passions 
just kind of like forge these bonds and all these beautiful things are made from those bonds of okay. different people. Yep. I do recognize this. I had to pull it up, but yeah. Yeah. I remember, yep. I recognize this logo and stuff. Yes. Once you see the art, you yeah. immediately know, but I know for a fact, a lot of those people have a paint chat pedigree. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. Goodness. Wow. What a tangent I didn't expect to go on. <laughs> it's a blast from the past. Podcasts tend to do that. It's funny. You find, but, uh, <laughs> you find yourself just going down rabbit holes that you don't remember going down. <laughs> well, sir, we promised we were going to talk a little bit about your kill team board, which I really do oh, want to sure. talk about it because um, it's just amazing. And so did you design it for um, the Dreadwatch or the Osiris Project, or was this something that was standalone? What's the narrative link there? Um. If I'm being completely honest, I just kind of made it because I wanted to make it. I wanted something that I had an excuse to try some water effects and some grass effects and make something hidey and secret and sneaky. <laughs> and so I just kind of sketched out something that combined all those things. And then I just lazily started working on it week to week. And then eventually down the tunnel, um, Mike Brandt and I think some other folks had sent up the word that, hey, you should bring your board to uh, Nova Open. And I'm like, yeah, that's the thing I absolutely should do. And <laughs> so I suddenly picked up my lazy pace and finished putting it together and you know, kind of added some little uh, gubbins that tied it into the Death Watch kill team. Um, but it's, it's kind of a standalone thing. It was just something I made because I wanted to have it. Yeah, I feel like there's more to that story, but uh, no, it's it's so good. I mean, it is, guys. You got to go check it out. Uh, the pictures are definitely uh, worth a thousand words here. The water effects are insane. Uh, there are dead marines in there. There's, a, I think, a dreadnought in there. Yep, dead dreadnought oh and God. a dead uh, intercessor as well. Poor Ooh. guy. Yeah. Nice. And there may or may not be a torture chamber. I don't know. <laughs> it's a. It, you know, it's an inquisitional uh, open space. It depends on, like, what they need at the time. Yeah. Inquisitional therapy office. Therapy office. Yeah. Clerical, <laughs> you know, vegetable. There you go. Um, but, yeah, it was a really fun project. I learned a lot. It was a project to have to learn things, mm -hmm. do new things. Yeah, well, it turned out good. great. Thank you. It's amazing yeah. that you can carry that thing around, too. Like, the way you built it to just be able to disassemble it and stick it in a box... Oh, thank you. Yeah, that was yeah. that was another one of the things I wanted to experiment with was like to make something that could fit into a custom carrying case. So it had to be exactly under sixty-two inches on all sides. <laughs> once it was all bundled together, man, this um, kill team box <laughs> selling out has really has really left its mark on you, Sarah. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it kind of has. Wow, you know the 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 butterfly effect is a thing, dude. Um. But yeah, that uh, so there's a long, long Imgur post on that board for people who want to check it out and learn from my mistakes because I did make quite a few mistakes on it, and they I certainly ended up learning a lot. Like maybe when you put acrylic up to pour water, maybe you should pour some release agent on that acrylic, or else you're going to be cutting off on a table saw. And uh, <laughs> maybe whenever you're spraying down the adhesive for the grass, you should put some kind of masks on your rock or you're going to have a bad time. <laughs> and, and lots of other neat little peculiarities. You learn by doing. You sure do. 
and undoing. Do you have any other uh, projects in the pipeline right now that you're working on? Uh, <laughs> we know you do. That you're willing making, to share? <laughs> I'm making a table. <laughs> um, because I need a place to store that Kiltine. <laughs> 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 not the Kiltine. I'm making a place to store the, the, the Kiltine uh, game board, the, uh, the forest that's not in a box above my makerspace. I want to store it somewhere nice where I can just take it out and put it on top and use it that my other fellow makerspace people won't be upset about because suddenly there's a diorama in the middle of a common space. So I feel like making a sweet little coffee table with an acrylic or glass top and then like a little cabinet where you can take stuff out and put stuff in would be like a great addition to a public space because then other people could use it Mm -hmm. and I can use it to get this thing out of my space (laughs) so I can work on new projects. (laughs) <laughs> you can find a makerspace in Richmond. Have you, yeah, you know, makerspaces? Oh, yeah. um, kind of. Go ahead, tell us. Tell us. Tell, tell the listeners. I highly advocate for them. Mm-hmm. Um, so a makerspace is like, um, it's generally a collective of people with tools and know-how and experience who probably live in a city or somewhere where they don't have much space to work on stuff or possibly just live in a rural area where they could really use some shared tools. Mm -hmm. And these people will go in on some sort of facility where they can store all this stuff, you know, have good ventilation, have, you know, some semblance of a fire code adhered to, and, you know, just pool their resources on installing uh, great tools, table saws, chop saws, welding equipment, you know, glass uh, lamp working equipment, you name it. And then some of the larger facilities will even have workspaces, like individual shops for artists. And mm. in Boston, that place, and uh, you know, I, I guess this will be my chance to plug them, is Artisan Asylum. And at Artisan Asylum, it's I think it's I'm going to misquote here, but I'm pretty sure it's something like twenty or thirty thousand square feet of three hundred artist spaces, which are these little, generally five by five, but they can go up in size um, feet. Uh, blocks of little spots where people set up anything from like textiles to mold making to uh, fabricating to making bicycles to doing whatever the hell it is that I do to a whole bunch of (laughs) other stuff and the so you've got all these tools you have these facilities you have classes you have artists and all these people just mill around all the time it's always full of people day and night um, and a lot of times these facilities are kind of like key card access. So there will be people there at all hours. Trust me, I've tried to sleep there. Not something <laughs> you can do. Wow. And it's uh, the best part about these places, besides having a spot to make things where your pets won't eat them and die, is the ability to learn things that you might have never thought of otherwise. Um, and in my case, that's been a lot of integrated circuits and things. Do you, mm-hmm. Have you seen the plasma gun that War, Warhammer community has? Yeah. Yeah, I've seen that. I don't know if they brought it this year to Nova. They didn't. They just brought the bolt rifle. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. It has the glowing coils and everything. Yep. So I made that for them just a few years back. And whenever they asked for it, they just asked for a prop. They didn't say lights. They didn't <laughs> say sound. But I started working on it. And I was kind of working on it in a private space because there was some NDA stuff. But mm-hmm. I have some folks who would wander by, and they'd see me working on some plastic. They'd see me working on the coils, and they're like, oh, what's that? And I'm like, well, I'm making, this, I'm making this gun for work, and this part has to light up. And I'm thinking I'll just install an LED strip. And they're like, 
but have you thought about putting an Arduino in there? I'm like, well, I am now. Tell me more. <laughs> and those kind of like little seed ideas are probably the best thing that can happen there. Since it's such an open space, people will just wander by and be like, hey, you're doing that cool thing. But have you considered trying to do it like this? And <laughs> it can be humbling sometimes. But sure. if you're willing to listen and take ideas on board and accept the expertise of strangers and strange friends, then you can come up with some really delightful um, surprises and new things that you might have never learned otherwise. And I just can't advocate for makerspaces highly enough. Um, they are a great resource. And if you've never been to one, you should go and take a class. Um, you can learn all kinds of things. I'm, I'm taking a make a ukulele class right now. Yeah, I saw you post a few of those pictures. Did you did you build the actual ukulele or just paint it? I built the actual ukulele. Oh, so that was cool. the class. <laughs> yeah, can't play one to save my life. So that's the next project. <laughs> that's wild. I love it. It's it's like a collective, right? I mean, it's like a collective of really interesting, intelligent people. And it makes sense because uh, I mean that's that's sort of the business model that everyone's going to, right? Google, Apple. You know, they're, they're not confined. They're not constrained. They just put some smart people in a room, you know, give them some tools, give them a whiteboard. Yeah. They're like, hey, man, go, go, go make the next thing, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. A lot of times those businesses will come visit, too, and they'll say, hey, here's some money. We're going to donate this to your makerspace. We're going to make it a little better. Maybe we'll fix your computers up. <laughs> um, in return, we're trying to solve this problem. Um, you know, could you possibly invite you know, get a bunch of people on board slash host kind of a hackathon event and fix this thing for us, you know, because we don't want to hire an entire development team to work on this thing. So make this work, please. And then they give you a bunch of money and you do the thing and they go away and it's great. It's a great <laughs> resource for everyone. Uh, <laughs> man, this could be the future. I mean, I'm just sitting here getting goosebumps, man. I'm thinking like this could be the future. This is maybe this is what we do, you know, as a collective, as like a people. You know. Set up little Mad Max esque uh, design hellscapes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> With a bunch of really weird people bashing things together all yeah. the time. Absolutely. <laughs> Did you That's see the, the makerspace down the block? They just rolled out a tank. They just rolled out a freaking tank. It's funny you say that. Uh oh. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Goodness. Cool. Um, but yeah. I'm sure there must be one down there. There, there like has to be. I'm almost positive there's one down in Richmond, but I'll have to take a look. We hear about one all the time. Um, Richer Space, Richmond. Oh, yeah, Build RVA. Oh, there you go. Yeah. We'll have, have to, to check, check that out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. For sure. Well, um, yeah, we're coming up close to an hour. Sarah, is there anything you'd like to plug? Well, I, uh, I made my... Uh, uh, arson asylum plug so mm -hmm. i think that's probably it for me yeah. i'm i'm real simple any good local restaurants Ooh, in boston in boston saloon, saloon easy and davis yeah that's okay. that's definitely the uh place to go if you're a bostonite and you want some really nice like a uh, scotch or whiskey drinks and a really good short rib saloon is where you go that sounds good dave you got anything to plug no no plugs thanks thanks for hanging out with us sarah it's been awesome yeah yeah, thank you. Uh, thanks for letting me talk your ear off. Yeah, no, it's been a pleasure. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll share a little um, bit of the GW inside with you, which is that we have an office space in right 
my office and where where my team hangs out and it's the smallest office of all that i know of it's windowless <laughs> and uh you want to take a guess at the name of this office it's really appropriate it's the meeting space krieg <laughs> yeah <laughs> place yeah. of misery a yeah. dark dark lightless place so there you go there's your insider knowledge love it <laughs> There's a Krieg bolt hole somewhere in Boston. Oh, that's in Nottingham. Oh, Nottingham. Oh, oh you're not in Nottingham right now, though. Not the second. No. no. I travel back and forth. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, that is cool. <laughs> I need to get back there. It's been a long time since I've been to Nottingham. You should come to the Heresy Weekender with me. I so want to. I so want to. All right. It's a beautiful town. We're doing it. You're going yeah. to be up there for the Heresy Weekender, Sarah? When is that? <clears throat> it's so... I believe it is the first weekend of February. They haven't announced the dates yet, but I've been doing like some research to make sure that I can actually get a ticket this year. So I think there's like an 80% chance I'll be there. Oh, cool. Sweet. I'm trying to immigrate at the moment. No. Oh. That That's <laughs> so cool. <laughs> We're working on it. <laughs> gotcha. Well, good luck on that. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Sarah Kaiser, everybody. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. This has been fantastic. Yeah. Thanks again for listening to the Remembrancers Retreat. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at RR30K Podcast. If you have a question or a shout out, check out our voicemail at 1 929 437 3791. That's 1 929 ERC1. And thanks again so much to our patrons. In our sergeant tier, we have Duncan and Emily O'Hare. Our centurion tier patrons, M. Hernandez, Mark Henry, Derek Knoll, and John Christensen. And our praetor tier patrons, Alex Self, Chris Mack, Gardner, the Tree of Woe, Joe from Music City Heresy, Josh Phillips, and Matthew Boyce. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you're interested in supporting the Remembrancers Retreat podcast, be sure to check out patreon.com forward slash rr30k podcast. Share our posts of friends and family who feel may be interested. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to our show and let us know how we're doing, what you like, and what you'd like to see more of. Thanks again for listening. My name is Jesse, and keep those dice rolling.